As a matter of fact, it's raining, so you know nobody's at church today, right? So, so we're still not done. There's still lost people in this city. Again, statistically, um, there are roughly 70,000 people in this city that are not connected to a church. Okay, that's a lot of people for, for us to reach. Our mission is huge, and there's a lot, a lot to be done. But by God's grace, here is what has happened this year in this church. I, I, I sat down and wrote this this week, and I'm just praying through and thanking God for all of the amazing things that have happened. There have been a number of believers who have grown in their faith through our men and women's studies. This was incredible. This, this was huge in the life of our church for the men to essentially walk through systematic theology. We had men showing up saying, we want to know more about God. We did the same thing with our women. Our ladies showed up and women got together and studied deep theology. This is huge. This is huge for um, our church. Next month, we will celebrate one year holding the lease on this facility. Right? There should have been applause there. We, we stepped out into something that we could not afford, that we could not do, and we said, well, we're just going to step out and believe God, and next month we, we celebrate a year of uh, being in this facility and, and holding the main lease on this facility. We have had 674 babies. We have... <laughs> we, <laughs> I think that's an actual number. Uh, We've baptized several people. We have added new members. We have seen marriages saved this year. We have seen men and women walking in victory over addictions to pornography and drugs and alcohol. We have seen people this year set free from depression, hopelessness, and emptiness. Another applause. God is at work and God is doing something here. And the amazing thing is that we get to be a part of it. A nobody like me gets to be a part of what God is doing. This is incredible. And the amazing thing is that a nobody like you gets to be a part of it. And we get to see lives change. We get to see people saved. We get to see God at work here at Gospel Community Church. Okay? And the great news is that he is not done yet. God's not done with Gospel Community Church yet. He's not done with you yet. He's not done with me yet. Here, here is how I know that. One, uh, he hasn't returned. Okay? He hasn't returned, therefore he's not done. And two, uh, we are still in existence as a church, and so God is not done. This year, we want to see more people saved. We want to see more people baptized. We want to see more marriages healed. We want to see more men set free from pornography. We want to see more people set free from addictions. We want to see more people set free from hopelessness. And that is going to happen this year by God's grace. Amen? So, obviously, today is going to be a little bit different. Um, it, it's sort of a sermon. It's sort of not. You know me. If I get a microphone, I can't help but preach a little. Um, but, but essentially, what we're doing uh, today is called the State of the Church Address. So, kind of, where are we at? What are we doing? Where are we going? This is the third time that I've done one of these. If you've been here for a State of the Church Address, would you just kind of raise your hand if you've been here for these before? Okay, about half of you. Okay, awesome. The other half has not. So, so here's what we're doing here in this sermon. We do it at the beginning of each year. We're seeking to answer this question. Where are we going in 2015? Where are we going? As, as a church, as a family, where are we? Okay, we, we emphasize that because this is not about uh, individualized Christians out on their own doing their own thing. We are God's family. We are God's people, and we are on a mission together. And so at the beginning of each year, we need to refocus, re-zero in on what God is calling us to do and say, God, what do you have for us? What's next for us? Listen, we never, ever, ever want to be stagnant. Okay, we we are never going to change our message. Okay, that, that's not going to change. But we don't want to do exactly what we did last year. Amen. We, we don't want our church to turn into a museum, a museum uh, essentially glass cases holding what God did years past. We don't want to become that. We want to celebrate what God has done in the past. That's what we were just doing. We're celebrating what God has done. But we also want to ask the question, God, what do you have for us next? And here is why. We want to ask this question, and this is the question I think it's so important for a church to ask, and so many churches miss that. We've got to ask the what's next question because God is serious, Jesus is serious about his church moving forward and bearing more fruit. 
okay? Jesus is serious about his church moving forward and bearing more fruit. Let me, let me back that up uh, with some scripture. Mark 11, 12 through 15. Mark 11, 12 through 15. On the following day, when they came from Bethany, he was hungry. This is Jesus. And seeing in a distance a fig tree and leaf, he went to see if he could find anything on it. And when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not fig season. And he said to it, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. <laughs> Seems a little bit like an overreaction, don't you think? <laughs> I was hungry. You did not meet my needs. Curse you. And here's what happens next. And his disciples heard it. Think on that. His disciples heard him say that. And they came to Jerusalem and he entered into the temple and began to drive out those who sold and those who bought in the temple. And he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold pigeons. Now, that's a very interesting uh, two instances to put next to each other. And they're not next to each other on accident. Okay, so, so when we read that, we have to ask, what's the connection here? Jesus is strolling along. I am hungry. There's a tree. It is in leaf, okay? Meaning that there should have, even though it wasn't the season, the tree had leaves on it. Therefore, there should have been fruit. But when he gets there on a closer inspection, he sees that it's actually not bearing fruit and he curses it. And the disciples heard him curse it. And then he goes into the temple and drives everybody out. What's the connection? The connection is this. From a distance, that tree looked like it would have been bearing fruit. But upon close inspection, it actually was not bearing fruit. Therefore, he cursed it in the same way. Looking at the temple, it looked like a whole lot of religious activity was going on. It looked like they were lovers of God. It looked like things should have been great. It looked like people should have been getting saved. It looked like people should have been growing in the Lord. But the truth is that temple was a house of trade and not a house of God. Therefore, what he did with the fig tree was a picture of what he was going to do in the temple. I say that to say Jesus is serious about his church growing and bearing fruit. And when it doesn't, he closes the doors. Again, we, we see in Revelation to where Jesus is the one who plants churches. If any church gets up and off the ground, it's because Jesus started it. And when a church closes down, it's because Jesus closed the doors on it. So we must ask this year, God, what do you want us to do? We are willing to go wherever you want us to go, and we're willing to do whatever you want us to do. We just want to be obedient to the call of God. So we must covenant together to work hard towards bearing fruit for the kingdom this year. My question to you as members of Gospel Community Church, as people who have maybe just come in to check out what's going on, my question to you is, are you willing to covenant with us this year to see this church bear gospel fruit? Are you willing to get your hands dirty in ministry this year? Are you willing to run with us? Are you willing to fight with us? It's going to be work. It's going to be difficult. And it's going to be the most joyous thing you've ever been a part of. But it's going to be work. So my question is, are you willing to go with us where we're going this year? So I have seven areas of focus. Um, if you are a member, I'm going to ask you, please write these down. If you didn't bring anything to write with, get out your smartphone and put it in the notes section. Put it in a text message and send it to yourself. Whatever you have to do okay, to, to get these seven things uh, because these are going to be the areas of focus this year. And I want you to write them down and I'll explain more about why I want you to write them down uh, at the end of this sermon or state of the church address. Um, it's kind of both, okay? So seven areas of focus, and, and I ask you, write them down. Number one, in 2015, we will focus on the person and the work of Jesus Christ. Anybody shocked at that one? <laughs> okay? It, this is what we're going to do this year. We are going to focus on the person and the work 
of Jesus Christ. Colossians 1:16 through 19, we just heard it in the reading of the word for by him all things were created. What does that mean? That means that Jesus, that means that God is the first uncaused cause. What does that mean? Uh, that means he was in the beginning before anything was. That means everything that is um, comes from somewhere, doesn't it? Every, think about that. Everything that is, everything that exists, okay, came from somewhere. You, you came from somewhere, didn't you? You talked to your parents about how that happened, right? You came from somewhere, and everything that exists to the stage I'm standing on, uh, to this microphone, to the chairs you're sitting in, everything that exists came from somewhere. So if you continue to go back in time, there has to be a first uncaused cause that causes everything else. Does that make sense? You guys with me? So this is why this text says, for by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things are held together. That means uh, when the rain falls from the sky, uh, when the sun comes out and dries it up, uh, when something floods, uh, he is holding all of that together. He binds and controls the universe that we exist in. That is the God that we serve. And he is the head of the body, the church, and he is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. The point of gospel community church is to magnify and make much of Jesus. Every single sermon should be pointing to Jesus. Our community group should be pointing to Christ. Our biblical counseling, our men's study, our women's study, our kids' ministry, the band, the tech team, the greeters, Everything that we do is to point directly to Jesus Christ. We have one song that we sing. We have one sermon that we preach. It is Jesus Christ. And this year, we are going to focus heavily on the person and the work of Jesus Christ because he is preeminent. That's what that text just said. There is going to be, if there is going to be any type of growth this year, if there is going to be any movement, if there is going to be any life change at Gospel Community Church, it will be because we have agreed together to focus on Jesus Christ and making him the main thing. Here's what I want us to do. I want us to come in each Sunday hungry to hear about Jesus. I want our souls to yearn together as we come through those doors and as the band plays and as we go through the reading of the word to, to, to yearn and to hunger. I want to know more about him. I want to know more about him. I want to be closer to him. I want to hear scriptures about him. I want to pray to him. I want to feel him in his presence. I want our church to be about Jesus can we do that this year? Can we covenant together to say, we're going to make everything that we do not about us, not about our name, but about his name and making much of him? Can we do that this year? Number two, in 2015, we will focus on spiritual and numerical growth, okay? Our hope is to see people growing in the Lord, meaning they're learning more about him. They're taking that knowledge and applying it, okay? That's, that's important. That, that is essentially what discipleship or spiritual growth is. It is getting knowledge about who and what God is and applying it to your life, okay? Knowledge without application equals constipation, okay? So we, we've got to take that knowledge that we receive from the preaching of God's word, from community groups, from all that stuff, and apply it so that we are not spiritually stopped up. So what we want to see this year is spiritual growth, meaning that people are learning more about who God is and applying it to their life, becoming more and more like Christ. And we want to see numerical growth, meaning we want these seats to be filled, meaning we want to see people saved, meaning we want to see more people baptized, meaning we want to add more people to the membership at Gospel Community Church. That's where we're headed this year. Now, some people might ask, um, is Gospel Community Church a discipleship church or is it an evangelistic church? 
Okay, those are kind of the, the, the two paradigms that churches are often forced to decide, meaning this. Are you going to be deep theologians, teaching God's word, heavy Bible study, heavy doctrine, uh, using big fancy words, or are you going to have a cool band um, and have things be real slick and cool and, and have it very inviting to lost people? Um, which one are you going to be? A, a discipling Bible church or friendly to the outsider, welcoming people in and having a service that is palatable to them? Which one are you going to be? Pick one, right? And we want to say we refuse to pick a side. We want to be the church that is a discipling, evangelistic church. We believe that if we aim for the target of discipleship, meaning we're growing people in the Lord, if we aim for the target of discipleship and we actually hit that target, we will also hit the target of evangelism. Here's how I know that. Because when people truly become disciples, they truly become followers of Christ, they become evangelists. <laughs> That's how that, I mean, what was Jesus doing? He came preaching and teaching. He, he came sharing the good news about what he was going to do. And so for truly discipling people, it doesn't mean that they just uh, take all this information and use big words. It means that they do that, but then they also go out and share that good news with lost people, and therefore the church grows. So specifically, how are we going to focus on spiritual growth this year? Here's what I want us to, to covenant together to do this year. We need to utilize every tool that we have available. Okay, If we're going to grow together this year, if we're going to grow spiritually uh, in 2015, we must covenant together to use every tool that we have. What do I mean? Sermons, community groups, DNA groups, Bible studies, okay? The, those are the main ways that we are going to grow together. Sermons, that means you need to be consistent in your attendance, showing up here and hearing God's word preached, okay? Community groups, that means you need to get in one. That means you need to be a regular attender to one because, like I said, it's not just the information. What we're doing now, this is the information part. When you get into a community group, that is the application part, and then apart from that, we have DNA groups. Now, if you don't know what that is, that means within your community group, there's even a smaller group within that that is gender specific to where you essentially get an accountability partner or two other accountability partners to where you guys can meet together and pray, okay? Again, that is a part of the spiritual growth process which we have set up here at the church and the Bible studies, meaning the, the women's study. If you're a woman, you need to show up to that. If you're a dude, you need to come to the men's Bible study. That, that is using every tool that we have available okay, to help you grow spiritually this year. In addition, we want to grow numerically. Here is the uncomfortable tension that we must live in. We must be okay with where we are, and we must be begging God for more. Okay? That, that is the uncomfortable tension as a church that we must live in. We, we must say, we are happy to average 60 adults every week. We are happy to do so because that is exactly where God has us. And we must have the other foot saying, and we are begging God to send more people. We are begging God to, as we invite people, for him to ignite that invitation and push them to make the step to get in their car on a rainy Sunday morning and show up here at the church. That is what we are seeking to do this year. Now, as a side note, um, we really have not pressed numerical growth as much as others, okay? And, and here is why. Um, in the beginning, we were a church plant, meaning we were starting from scratch, okay? That, that's what it means to, to plant a church. You're, you're starting from nothing. You, you, don't, you don't have a budget. Uh, you don't have chairs. You don't have a sound system. Uh, you have a paperclip and a lot of hopes and dreams, okay? That's what you have when you plant a church, <clears throat> so as we started, we, here was my heart. My heart was, what happens if, if we get 200, 300, 400, 500, and I'm the only staff, and, and there's no other pastors to, to help love and shepherd these people? Um, now, that happens all the time, and, and God does that, but what we asked God was, God, can, can we work on building a strong and healthy foundation so that when you bring the increase, we're able to love and shepherd and pastor these people that you bring. 
That, that was what our heart was. Do we want to see as lots of people here? Yes. And we don't want to just see lots of people for lots of people's sake. But when those lots of people come, we want leaders in place who are going to be able to love them, serve them, pastor them. We need more pastors. We need more community group leaders. We need more children's workers. Okay, so all of that had to be put in place. And listen, we've taken these three years to work really hard at building up the trestle, okay, so that God can grow the vine. And so here's where we are now. I believe God has brought some incredible, incredible leaders to this church. I have seen the leadership of this church, our elders and deacons, okay? I have seen them grow by leaps and bounds. I've seen our membership grow spiritually. Our kids' ministry is rocking and rolling. Guest services is killing it. The, I mean, the, how about the band? I mean, dude, the, we, we are in a place now to where I believe we are ready to see increase, amen? So what we're going to do is specifically pray for God to uh, grow our church. Our plan is to somewhere in the budget, calm down David Patton, somewhere in the budget, uh, come up with some more money for advertising, uh, get better signage, uh, improve our web uh, presence, and also begin to create evangelistic events to reach out to the community so that we might see more people saved and the church grow. Okay, That's what we want to do uh, this year. We want to grow uh, spiritually and we want to grow numerically. Okay, number three. Number three. In 2015, we will focus on the expansion of the elder board and the deacon board. Okay? So, <clears throat> here's where we are right now. We believe, again, I, we just talked about this when we installed our brother Wyatt. We just talked about this, but I'm going to say it again. We believe that Jesus is the senior pastor, and under him, there should be a group of qualified men uh, who lead the church. Here is what elders are responsible for. You need to know this, okay? As members and, and attenders of a church, you need to know what the elders are responsible for because it's part of your job to make sure we're doing our job, okay? So we are in charge of the teaching. That means that the bulk of uh, the teaching of God's word comes from the elders, we are responsible for getting into the word. This is specifically my task. So a large part of my week is devoted to getting into God's word, reading as much as I can, listening to as many sermons as I can, studying as much as I can so that I'm presenting uh, fresh bread for you guys each week. Essentially what I do all week long is I hang out in the kitchen, okay, preparing a meal, and, and my job is, is to come out here and present you guys with a, a meal that is going to uh, be nourishing for you. That's my job. So, so the elders are in charge of the teaching. Elders are also in charge of shepherding, okay? When we say that, we mean the care of the people. We mean that your souls are taken care of. If you need counseling, if you need benevolence, if you need, this is our job to make sure that you are cared for. That's the job of the pastors, to make sure that the people are loved and cared for and that their emotional, physical, spiritual needs, that, that all that is being met, okay? In addition, the elders are in charge of the oversight, meaning there has to be decisions made. There ha somebody's got to put a budget together. Somebody's got to put together a preaching calendar. Uh, somebody's got to pay the bills. Um, somebody's got to uh, you know, oversee the, the benevolent system. Somebody's got to oversee the kids' ministry. Somebody's got to oversee the band. That type of oversight, that's what the elders do. Okay, so those three things are what elders are in charge of. Now, right now, here's the problem. We are still a single elder church, okay? And this year, our goal is to not be a single elder church anymore, okay? Our hope is to, this year, install at least two more elders, um, and, I, and I'm actually hoping for a third, okay? That, that is our goal. Now, the question is, well, man, I mean, we're going on year four now. Why is it taking so long? Like, why not just install somebody? 1 Peter 5, 1 through 3. Listen to this. So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and witness of the sufferings of Christ as well as partakers in the glory that is going to be revealed. Listen to this. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. We have been intentionally slow 
about installing elders because of the massive weight and authority that comes with that office, okay? We've just been really slow to do it, okay? Um, but by God's grace, uh, we have been sending a couple of men through the elder process, uh, and this year, our hope is to install those elders. And, and look, we're equals. That, that's how we view it, okay? We view elders um, essentially on that elder board that is a plurality of leadership, that means I don't get to call the final shot. Um, I don't get to say, well, I'm the lead guy. I'm the one who's in charge, and this is the way we're going to do it. Okay? That's not how it works. Um, we, we work together as a team to come to a consensus about what God is saying to do for the direction of the church. Okay? And, and again, here's another thing that you guys need to know. Here's why that's important. It's really dangerous for one person to have ultimate power and authority. Okay? That's really dangerous. And it shouldn't happen in our government, and it shouldn't happen in the church either, okay? In addition, not only does it protect the church, but it also protects the pastor and his family. It, it, it protects me uh, from, you know, derailing the church. It, it protects me from neglecting my family, having to carry all of the weight of the church, and, and, and essentially laying my family on the altar of the church, which God never wants us to do, okay? So our hope this year is to officially install um, the, some elders. Right now, we, we have what we call a, a leadership team, which essentially is functioning as an elder board, uh, but we're gonna take that step this year. Now, in addition, uh, we want to add more deacons, okay? So right now, we have a deacon board, and we have a single elder, which is me. We're gonna take some of those guys from the deacon board and move them up to the elder board, which means there's going to be empty spots on the deacon board. So we need more deacons, right? We need to grow that board. Um, the good thing about it is we have uh, this year added another coach. Uh, David Patton is another coach. I'm a coach, uh, and, and we're kind of in charge of training up and, and coaching new deacons. Here's why all that's important, okay? You guys are starting to, eyes are starting to look glazed, okay? <clears throat> Here's the thing. Everything rises and falls on the leadership of the church, and the members of the church will never spiritually surpass the leadership. It doesn't happen, okay? So, so as close to the Lord as the leadership gets, the, the membership will never surpass that because it's the leaders who are leading that charge. And so as a church, we must focus on healthy elder board, healthy deacon board, so that the whole church is healthy. That's how that works. So, so as, as we grow as a leadership team, that means the membership's gonna grow. As, as we learn more about the Lord and fall more in love with him, that means the whole church learns more about the Lord and falls more in love with him. So we're gonna this year focus on uh, seeing and taking that whole leadership team to the next level. Number four, in 2015, we will focus on community, okay? Again, not surprising. Acts 2, 42 through 47. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Okay, what does that mean? Uh, well, it means that as a community, uh, they devoted themselves to Christ. Right? Because that's what the apostles were teaching. See that? They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. What were the apostles' teaching? Christ and him crucified. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, the the, the fellowship, the, not just any fellowship, but the fellowship to the breaking of bread and prayers and all came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles and all who believed were together and had all things in common and they were selling their possessions and belongings, distributing the proceeds to all as any had need and day by day attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having faith with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day, those who were being saved. God's plan for every single believer is to exist in the context of community. God never designs any believer to be out on their own, uh, kind of living the Christian life as a Lone Ranger Christian. That is never, ever God's design. By virtue of being a Christian, you are saved into the family of God. The family, meaning you guys have families. Uh, you don't only see them once a week, do you? <laughs> If you do, you should stop that and see them more. 
And so as a church, we, we are called to, what the Bible calls us to, is to function and live and operate as a family. Now, when I say we're going to focus on the communi- uh, community, I mean the believers at Gospel Community Church. Okay? We all need to attend community groups. We all need to attend community groups. This is where um, really that type of community living family interaction actually happens. It rarely, rarely happens on Sunday mornings. I love Sunday mornings. They serve their purpose, and we're not going to stop doing that. Okay? This is, again, where we come together to hear God's word preach and to worship corporately. Okay? But most of the time here, it's, hey, brother, how you doing? Oh, I'm good. How about you? Oh, I'm good too. And, and everybody's fine on Sunday morning. We all know that. Nobody has any problems all week long. Everybody's fine on Sunday morning. And so what you must do is get down into community groups, go to one, exist in one, grow comfortable in one, begin to share your struggles in, in one, and, and have other people share their struggles too so that you actually are living life together and being honest with each other. Community groups are a place where you are known and you can know other people. That, that's why community groups are uh, what they are. So this year, we all need to attend community groups and attend them regularly. Okay? If you're here and you are a community group slacker, you need to stop. Go to a community group regularly. Listen, we, we all have busy lives. Everybody does. Everybody's busy all the time, aren't you? I mean, I'm busy, you're busy, everybody's busy. And so what we must do is prioritize meeting together with other believers. Listen to this. There are things that God wants to do in your life but can't do in your life or won't do in your life because you will not faithfully walk in community. I'll say that again. There are things that God wants wants to do in your life, but he's not going to do it until you begin to truly walk in community with other believers. It is God's design to grow you, to move you, to form you into his image through relationships with other believers. That's how he designed it. That's how he designed it. Okay, so number five, in 2015, we will focus on giving. We will focus on giving, okay? Now, here's what we believe at Gospel Community Church. The Old Testament teaches that you are to give 10% uh, of your income to the local church. Um, Then the New Testament also backs that up and supports that Old Testament teaching, So we believe that every believer is called to give 10% of their income as a base and then seek to go beyond, okay? Seek to go beyond. As God blesses, we continue to bless and be generous. This is what we believe the Bible teaches. Now, I am incredibly jealous for your joy, and so I am calling all of us to focus on giving this year. Now, I say I'm jealous for your joy because if you've ever met a generous person, they are joyful, okay? If you've ever met a person who is really, really generous, they're usually not a Mr. Grumpy Pants, okay? They they are usually very joyful. They're happy. Generous people are joyful people, and so I'm calling you to a life of generosity and a life of sacrifice, okay? Now, giving is the barometer for your overall spiritual health, and if you want to know how you feel about Jesus, just take a look at your wallet, okay? That is the barometer for your health. Now, uh, we know that about half of you were here last year for this talk, and at the end of my sermon, I spent 20 minutes uh, calling our people to give because half were not, okay? So this time last year, um, only half of our church was giving and the bulk of the income that we brought in came from six families. So essentially, six families uh, were carrying the weight of the church. That, that's where we were um, last year. Uh, and so uh, I spent a lot of time uh, basically walking through the biblical principle of giving and saying, this is what God is calling us to do. Um, and, and half of you in here are essentially getting a free ride, and you need to stop and, and give. Here's the good news, okay? You guys ready for good news? This is awesome, okay? Uh, Our projected budget for 2014 was $125,000, okay? Uh, And this year, 2014, we brought in $146,000, 
okay? That means you guys uh, gave over and above kind of what we were initially calling you to give. You gave over and above that. And uh, here's what uh, David wrote me this email this week. Uh, It says that tithes has increased 29% over last year. Right, that's, that's huge, like that, we can do this again. Like that's, that is so awesome, that, that's so awesome uh, that, that you guys said, you know what, we, we as a church, we are gonna commit to, uh, to give. We, we're gonna honor the Lord with our money. Uh, we're gonna show that money is not our God and we're gonna be generous and give it away. So as your pastor, I wanna say thank you, thank you, thank you. I wanna encourage you to keep giving. Again, all of that stuff that we accomplished, okay, that God accomplished through us, so, so when I said, man, marriages have been saved, people are you know, not looking at pornography, people are free from addictions and things like that, how did all of that happen? Well, it happened through this church, and this church costs money to run. So it costs money to turn the lights on, to keep these doors open, to, to pay pastors, to, to do all this stuff, uh, you know, sound equipment, things like that. None of that's free. All that costs money. And so you guys gave, and because you guys gave, lives have been changed forever, and you will see those ramifications on into eternity. That's, that's amazing, okay? Um, so here is um, some encouragement from uh, David Patton, who is over our finances. He wrote this in an email this week, and I just wanted to read it to you guys and share some encouragement with you. This is from uh, Dave Patton. He is over all of our finances. Here's, here's what he says. Keep giving regularly during vacation season or if you're prone to forget a check or use online giving. If we give consistently, it helps our leadership plan out those funds more effectively. The summer slump should not happen or should not occur when God's people faithfully give through the year. Keep giving faithfully. Take time to pray that God would use your tithe to expand his kingdom and believe that your obedience makes a difference. Keep giving sacrificially. Give regularly and and often and always be prayerful and open to the spirit moving when he wants you to give more. Okay? So what do we want to send our money towards? What do we want to do with finances and funds this year? Here are a couple of projects we're going to be working on this year. There's still more to be done with this facility. We've got some really cool design ideas for the stage. We've got so much more still to be done back in Gospel Kids. Uh, If you don't know this, they've actually expanded and moved into Theater 3, which is that big back room. So we need to build a stage. We need to get them lights. We need to get them sound. Uh, By God's grace, we need to paint that room for... Yes, we need to paint it. Um, and, And there's so much that needs to be done back there. Uh, And so that is where we're going to be focusing uh, a lot of our our finances is towards Gospel Kids specifically and towards some other kind of uh, projects here in this facility. Uh, I would love to see us do more for Promise Place. That is the battered women's shelter that is here in town. They are are always in need. Uh, They are underfunded. They are understaffed. And it would be awesome if us as a church could unite together to say, you know what? We love Promise Place. We love what this battered women's shelter is doing. And we want to figure out how to do more for them and give them more money. Uh, I want to pour more money into our benevolence. Again, it is our job to make sure that the families in this church are well cared for. And so if there is a financial need, I want Gospel Community Church to be the church that meets the needs of its people. And so if somebody can't pay a bill, if somebody loses their job, I want to have money set aside so the church can come in and say, we love you. We're going to support you during this time uh, of hardship. And and I want us to be able to do that. So we're going to need some resources and finances to be able to pour into that account so we can help and love and serve more people. I want to do more for church planting. Okay. We have already started to partner with a church in Inverness, Scotland. Uh, We have sent them a check. I want to send them more. Okay, I want to send them as much money as we can so that they can focus on preaching the gospel and reaching people and don't have to be pulling their hair out wondering if they're going to be able to make it financially. If you can relieve that stress from a pastor, it's amazing. Let me just tell you, okay? it's amazing when that happens. When you, when you relieve that stress, that financial stress uh, from a pastor, it allows him to function uh, much, much better. And so we want to be able to do that for other pastors and other church plants, which means we're going to need to come together and, and pour more resources 
into uh, church planting. And like I said earlier, uh, I would like to pour more funds into events, kind of evangelistic events, reaching out to the community. Those cost money uh, and advertising, uh, doing more for uh, advertising, doing more for our website and things like that. All of that costs money and, and resources. So those are areas of focus this year um, to kind of see those things come about. So we're going to focus on giving to see all of those things realized. And so I just, again, I want to say thank you guys. Thank you, those who give. Please, again, remember that when you're giving, what you're doing matters in eternity. It, it has eternal weight. And so please keep it up. Thank you guys so much uh, for all that you have given. Number six, in 2015, we will focus on diversity. We'll focus on diversity. Okay, <clears throat> again, uh, we are, look around the room. Okay, yep. Uh, we are white people. Hello, white people. Welcome. We are young, uh, and we are white, uh, bearded, and tattooed, most of us, okay? That, that seems to be uh, kind of where we have landed, and that's a great thing. I love white, bearded, tattooed people. I happen to be one, okay? Love it. I love it that young people are here. Uh, I love it that tattooed people are here. Um, I, I love that about us and what we're doing. And if that's all we are, we will never be what God wants us to be. If that's all we are, okay? Us young people, uh, we, we need some people uh, with, with some seasons and spices on them. You know what I mean? We, we, we need some people uh, who, who have been around longer than we have. Uh, most of us are young parents. We need some people who, who have been there and done that. To, to help grow us, to help train us, to help shepherd us. We need that. Uh, Titus 2 gives a picture of a healthy church, and it says that there were young men and older men. There were young women and older women, and it gives that picture as a healthy church. And what happened was the older men began to teach the younger men, and the older women began to teach the younger women, and that is the picture of the healthy church. So we need to grow in diversity um, and, 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 and that way. So not only just getting young tattooed people here, but getting people who are older, okay, and getting people who are not white. Again, I love you white people. We need some people who are not, right? We need some people uh, who are not. Now, I want to say this, so please listen very carefully. God is doing something in our country right now. God was not asleep at the wheel when Trayvon Martin, Michael Brown, and Eric Garner were killed, no matter where you land on the debate, you must see that this situation is exposing deep-seated racism in our country today. Now, we are thankful for the civil rights movement. We are glad African Americans and other minorities have more rights in our country, but the sad thing is we cannot outlaw racism in the hearts of man. Only the gospel truly and fully preached can do such a thing. God's doing something in our country right now. You've got to open up your eyes and see it. Again, God was not asleep at the wheel when all this happened. God is not up in heaven wondering what's going to happen with all these protests, wondering what's going to happen and what our government's going to do about the systematic injustice and racism that is inherent in the system. God's not asleep at the wheel, okay? So what an amazing time to be a church right now. What an amazing time for us to begin to focus on diversity and show the world that the government can't outlaw racism in the hearts of men. We can change laws, we can change systems, but the problem, the core of it is sin. The core problem of it is there is racism in the hearts of people, and the only thing that can really address that is the gospel. How amazing would it be? What type of message would it send to our city if they look in on this church and they see black people, white people, Hispanic people linking arms together and saying it's not about our race, but it's about him. It's about the cross. It's about Jesus, and we are brothers and sisters in Christ, and we're united together under the flag of Jesus, not under the flag of white, not under the flag of brown, not under the flag of whatever, we are united under the banner of Jesus Christ. How, how amazing would that be? And the gospel is powerful enough to do it. Ephesians 2, 14 through 16, for he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken, has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. What the Apostle Paul is talking about in this text is the division between the Gentiles and the Jews, which is the Jewish race and then every other race. 
There was a dividing wall of hostility, which is exactly what still exists in the South and other places in the world today. What he is saying is that Jesus' blood came to break down that dividing wall. Here's how it did it. By abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of two, so making peace and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. Our hope is that we would have a multi-generational, multi-ethnic church. We believe that that is um, the, the truer picture of what the gospel comes to bring. And if it is just white, bearded, tattooed people, then we're actually united by something other than the gospel. We're united by our preferences. We're united because we like this style of music, we like this style of dress, uh, and so we all get together because we like these things. And that is not what unites us. What unites us is the cross. What unites us is the gospel. And so this year, we, we want to focus on that intently and ask the question, how can we do that? I mean, it's, it's seemingly impossible. I mean, there, there are so few, so few churches that are racially, ethnically uh, diverse. I mean, it, it's just, it's unheard of in the South. Uh, again, Martin Luther, uh, I mean, uh, Martin Luther King said, you know, the 11 o'clock hour is the most segregated hour. He's absolutely right. And it's still that way. I mean, and we've passed laws and come so far and we have an, an African-American for a president, that's great. And our churches are still segregated. So uh, we want to focus on that this year by being intentional, okay? We can't be a church that says, well, we would love to see diversity in our church and so we're just gonna be colorblind and we're just gonna love and serve whoever comes in the door. Listen, if that's our approach, only people like us will keep coming. If our approach is, we're just going to open up the doors and whoever comes in, comes in. Well, again, then only people like us will continue to come in. We must be intentional about reaching out to people who are not like us. That's the only way we're ever going to change, is if we're intentional about it. The only way that we're ever going to see change is if at first the members of this church covenant together and say, you know what, we're going to be intentional. We're going to make relationships with people who are not like us. We're going to make relationships with people who are, uh, who are older than us. We're going to make relationships with people who have different skin color than we do for the purpose of showing and displaying to the world the goodness of the gospel. That's why. And if the people and the members of this church will unite together to say, you know what, we're going to intentionally build relationships with people who are not like us, then those relationships will afford you the opportunity to invite them to this church and bring them in and get them plugged in. That's the only way that's going to happen. If you change the color of your dinner table, that's the only way it's going to happen. And so it's got to start with the leadership. It's got to start with the elders, future elders. It's got to start with the deacons. It's got to start with the members saying, you know what, we're going to covenant together to change the color of our dinner table. And we're going to be intentional about reaching people who are not like us. Number seven. Did I go through all of them? Did I get them all? I think so. I blacked out. Number seven. In 2015, we will focus on prayer. Ephesians 6, 18. Praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication, uh, to keep and preserve among supplication for all the saints. Um... Guys, I, I believe that, that this has been an area that we have neglected. I really do. I, I think us as a church, um, I, I want to repent and apologize. I, I think a lot of it has to do with uh, my error as a leader. Um, I love systems. I love structure. I love uh, creating programs and putting things in place uh, and, and seeing those things executed. Um, and because of that tendency in me, that often causes me to lean away from prayer and, and focus and lean more on uh, man-made systems and structures. Now, listen, you need systems and structure. You need those things in place, okay? 
but I have a high propensity to lean on that. And I think that has, um, in error, made me lean away um, from focusing on and making prayer a big deal, okay? Um, that's not to say that we haven't prayed. We have. Uh, but again, I believe uh, that we have neglected this. I like systems and methods. I like principles and best practices. And all of those things are good when the foundation is prayer. Okay? Let me tell you a quick story before we close. Um, there were two guys, and they went to London uh, because they wanted to hear the greatest preacher of that day in the 1800s, uh, which was Charles Haddon Spurgeon. And these two men show up. And, and they're there early at the church. They weren't really sure what time the service started. And so these two men are standing on the doorstep of the church waiting for it to open because they want to hear uh, Charles Haddon Spurgeon preach. And so uh, a man approaches and uh, he says, guys, you're here early. And they said, yeah, we know. We, uh, we, we didn't know what time it started. And he said, okay, well, uh, if you guys are just standing around, uh, do, do you want to see the furnace of the church? And the two men thought it an odd question, but, you know, wanted to be courteous and sure, we'll We'll see the furnace of the church. And so the man unlocked the door of the church and they went down a hallway and they went down another hallway and they went through a corridor and through another door and down into the basement of the church. And as they got there, the man opened up the door to a massive room. And in that room were 500 men and women on their knees in prayer. And the man turned to these two young men and said, this is how we heat up our church. That man was Charles Haddon Spurgeon. Here's what Charles Haddon Spurgeon has to say about prayer and its place in the church. Here's a quote from him. He says, Shall I give you yet another reason why you should pray? I have preached my very heart out. I could not say any more than I have said. Will not your prayers accomplish that which my preaching fails to do? It is not likely that our church has been, is it not likely that our church has been putting forth its preaching hand, but not its praying hand? Oh, dear friends, let us agonize in prayer. If we're going to focus on all those things I said I want to focus on, I want to focus on Christ, I want to focus on community, I want to focus on giving, I, I want to see spiritual growth, numerical growth, the only way those things are going to happen, the only way they're going to be fueled is through prayer. And so this year, uh, what I would really like to see is for us to begin a prayer ministry here at Gospel Community Church. So here's what we're going to need from you. We're going to need godly men and women to raise up and say, you know what, I'm, I'm ready to, to take that and run with it. I've already been talking to a few people about this ministry. I, I know there's some interest for it, but, it, but we're starting it. It's going to be brand new. Here's going to be the big ideas of, of what we want this prayer ministry to accomplish, okay? One, we want a group of men and women meeting before our services to cover them in prayer, okay? To cover them in prayer, praying for the band, praying for the reading of the word, praying for the sermon, praying for the response time, covering all of those elements in prayer so that life change happens in these seats. We want men and women gathering to pray specifically over that. We want a team of people after the service, okay? Every, every week we say this, okay, uh, guys, we have people in the back if you want to pray. We, we want a team of people, men and women, ready to meet prayer needs every single week. I want a team of people doing that, Okay. In addition, I want that team that comes together uh, to be putting together prayer meetings, right? Old, we're getting old school, right? Just old school prayer meetings to where we come together for that intended purpose, period. We, we just get together as a church to pray. I don't know what those things would look like, but man, that's what the prayer team's gonna do. They're gonna figure that out, right? And they're gonna let us know. We're gonna, cool, we'll be there, right? We'll be there for the, for the prayer meetings. So those are the three things uh, that, that I want that ministry to do. Okay, again, covering these services in prayer, being available to pray with people and putting together prayer meetings uh, for all of us to come together as a family and do. I really wanna focus on that this year. I believe that God is pressing us to do that. And again, if we're gonna see an increase, if we're gonna see spiritual growth, numerical growth, it must be covered in prayer. And so this year, I really, really, really want us to focus on uh, prayer. Now, I ask you guys to write down all seven of those things specifically for this reason. I want us to, as we enter into January, uh, each year we always call uh, the entire church to a fast, okay? Now, when we say fast, here's what we mean. It means you give up something that you like, okay, um, so that when you want that thing, you are reminded to pray. That's how fasting works, okay? So, so if you give up, uh, you know, uh, maybe soda is your thing, right? You, you, you lay aside soda, and every time, you know, you're thinking about that delicious fountain drink from the quick trip, 
and you're going, man, I want a soda, you go, oh yeah, I'm supposed to pray. Okay, that's how that works. Um, again, we haven't really ever laid out this is what you should fast because I could say, okay, we're calling a church-wide fast on soda and, you know, I would be fine with that. I, I don't drink soda at all, so it wouldn't be a big deal. Or, or, or to say, we're going to do the Daniel fast or we're going to do this fast or that fast. What's important is for you um, to, to get alone with the Spirit and pray and ask Him, okay, what, what would you have me fast? What would you have me fast? Um, you can go, I, I'm asking all of us to go at least the first two weeks in January, okay? Um, so somebody might say, well, I want to I wanna give up, uh, I'm not going to eat all day on Wednesday, uh, these two Wednesdays, and that's going to be my fast. Okay, great, right? If that, if that calls you to prayer, if that reminds you to pray, awesome. Uh, I'm, I'm going to, again, give up sodas or give up caffeine or meat or alcohol or, or whatever you decide uh, your fast is to be. You need to pray and meet with God and you got a couple of days until the first, okay? But, but I'm asking for us as a church to enter into at least two weeks. If you want to go more, go more. Uh, be a superhero. And, um, and up for us to enter into a fast together as a church. Now, I ask you to write down those seven things because I want you to specifically pray for those seven things to be realized this year in 2015. So as you fast and as you're reminded to pray, you get out your list, you look at it, we're going to focus on community. And then you pray like this, God, may our church be filled with people who love one another and come together and spend time with each other. God, would you bless us with a healthy community this year? As you're fasting and, and all of a sudden you, you get that craving for that soda or you really want a juicy steak, but you're fasting meat and you go, man, I want a juicy steak. And then you remember to pray and you go, God, would you bring an increase this year? Would you grow us spiritually? Would you grow us numerically? Okay. So that's what I'm calling us to do. That's what I'm asking us to do uh, the first two weeks in January is to fast and pray through these seven things. So you guys, would you guys commit to do that with me? A nod of the head, just, I can't hear stuff rattle in there. You can be vocal, okay? Would you guys commit to do that with me? Okay, you've got a couple of days to pray and, and get ready to begin the fast on the first. We will begin our fast on the first. We'll go two weeks, okay? And, and us together, we will be praying for that thing. So I'll close with this. By God's grace, we're still here. <laughs> so we will continue to fight. We will seek to do everything in our power to advance the gospel through the local church. I want to encourage you this year to give your life away to Jesus by giving your life away to the local church. If resolutions are your thing or you're into those, let that be your resolution this year. I'm going to give my life away to Jesus by giving my life away to the local church. Let me pray for us. God, thank you for the great opportunity to do ministry for one more year. Thank you that you have held us, that you have provided, that you have come through, that you have grown us, that you have made fruit, that you have been faithful, that you have been good. You haven't stopped loving us. You haven't stopped providing for us. You haven't stopped caring for us. And for that, we are grateful. And so, God, as we enter into another year, as you have given us and blessed us with the opportunity for one more year of service to you, help us to go into it sturdy, strong, eager, excited to be your servants, to preach your gospel, to see your people saved. And we ask all these things in the mighty and the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Um, guys, we are now going to move into our response time. Uh, again, this is a little bit different than what we normally do. This was, again, more of a state of the church address and less of a sermon, but that does not mean uh, that there's not now something for us to respond to, okay? We can begin to respond right now by, by beginning to pray and asking God, God, what would you have me fast at the beginning of the year? I want to dedicate this year to you, God. This, this whole year, this new year, it's yours, God. And I want to show you that by fasting. What, what would you have me fast? You, you can respond by praying that prayer here and now. You, you can respond by, when we get ready, coming forward and taking communion and saying, you know what, God, I want to begin this year by remembering what you did on the cross. I want my focus to be on you this year. I don't want to get distracted. I don't want to miss what life is really about. I want to focus on you, God. And so you can come forward and take that piece of bread, which is a representation of his broken body, that body that was broken for you, and dip it into the juice, which is a representation of his blood, which was shed for you and say, God, this year is yours, and I'm taking this communion, remembering you, saying, 
out loud, this year is yours, God. This year is yours. That's a great way to respond today. Maybe you've come today and, and you do need prayer, okay? We won't have the prayer team in the back. We will one day, we, we, but, but I'll be back there. I'll be back there ready to pray for you if, if you need prayer, okay? I, I would love to pray for you. Maybe, man, this, this year you, you do have some resolutions. You say, man, I, these are the things that, that, that I really want to focus on this year and, and I just, I want them to be covered in prayer as, as we enter into the new year. I, I'd love to pray for you in that way if you want to come back. A great way to start the year is to say, man, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give my finances to the Lord this year. And we have boxes in the back uh, to where it's available to do so. Another great way to begin the year, if you're here and you're not a believer, okay, you, you, you're saying, well, I'm, I'm not a Christian. A great way to start this year is to say, you know what? I'm committing today. I wanna follow Jesus. I'm, I'm, I'm done fighting. I'm done questioning. And, and I'm just going to follow him. That's a great way to start this year. And it'll be the best year. It might be the hardest year, but it'll still be the best year of your whole life if you'll just make that commitment today. And if that's you, if you're saying, you know what, today's the day. This, this year, this year, I'm, I'm going to do it. I'm, I'm going to quit my fighting. I'm going to follow Jesus. If you're ready to do that today, come to the back and talk with me. I'd love, I would love to talk with you about that, okay? So when you're ready, come forward and take communion. All right, thank you guys.